Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here. Want to tell you about Purple Insider Football Jam, an event that we are holding at Inbound Brewing, which is in the North Loop. It's near Target Field, August 22nd. So Tuesday night, August 22nd from 6 to 9 o'clock at Inbound Brewing. We're doing a live podcast there, which you'll be able to come and ask questions, hang out. We're going to have an Immaculate Grid contest that we're creating, pick the schedule, and much, much more. So I'll be there for a few hours. Make sure that you stop by Inbound Brewing. There's no cost, no charge. And if you get there early, there's a chance we get you 50% off of your first beer. So make sure that you're coming down to listen to our live podcast, Purple Insider Football Jam, August 22nd. So Tuesday night from 6 to 9, that is Inbound Brewing. Inbound Brewing. Come check it out. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here with you again tonight live. So very happy to chat with all of you Vikings fans and uh, break down what we saw at today's walkthrough and much, much more about the Minnesota Vikings, as we always do. But a very interesting, intriguing, strange thing happening today. Not anything on the field. Uh, It was a walkthrough. So You know, there was a Josh Oliver catch on a sort of a seven on seven that was pretty exciting, but nothing to really write home about when they do a walkthrough. But after practice, TJ Hawkinson talked with us and that's where we're going to start. But also you guys have inspired me to try to go through some 53 man roster stuff. And maybe even we should do at some point like a live try to figure out the 53 man roster together and then we can debate some of these things because I I get messages all the time on how the 53 is going to shape up. I saw our friend, Will Raggett's put out a 53 man roster. Maybe I should mock one as well, but um, you know, TJ Hawkinson is definitely the place that we need to start because we spoke with him today and tried to ask questions about what has kept him out of practice and had a very tough time understanding any of his answers regarding why he was out of practice, aside from him saying that he believed he would be ready to go week one. And and so it was kind of like four questions in a row of just, how are you feeling? And it was uh, whatever, you know, okay. All right. Are you going to practice this week? Well, we'll leave that up to Kevin O'Connell. Okay. And, And we just didn't get any sort of clarity 
What's going on with the ear? Are you balanced? I mean, if for those who haven't been paying close attention to now what has become an inner ear saga, uh, TJ Hawkinson has not practiced 11 on 11s in several weeks now, but he has continually taken warmups and participated in walkthroughs. And then when he was asked about what was happening, he answered that it was an ear infection, which would make sense, but it has kept him out for this long. And then he didn't want to comment. It seemed on any further inquiries about said ear infection, which has left us to wonder what exactly is happening. And of course the working theory of many, and it hasn't been of this show, but maybe it will be is that he doesn't want to practice 11 on 11s because he is either in the midst and getting closer to a contract extension and it is a hold in, which, of course, you know, these do happen or it's something that is more serious than they want to let on. I'm not really sure. But as we go along here, it does feel a little bit more hold in ish. And the question is, if it's a hold in, is it that they're on the cusp and he doesn't want to practice 11 on 11s because they're this close to a contract extension, which I would very much respect? Or is it? that they're not making the progress that he wants them to make. And he's trying to force that progress, but also doesn't want to completely not practice because that would put him behind knowing that he's not going to hold out of the regular season. And that's where it's a little odd to me. So you're not going to practice 11 on 11 to try to force their hand, but you're still making it clear. You're going to play come the regular season. If the contract isn't signed, I'm a little perplexed by the entire situation. And I guess the question is, should the Vikings just make sure this happens? Because when we went into training camp, I remember chatting with all of you guys and saying, hey, we could have a situation here where the first day of training camp, they trot out Hawkinson and Jefferson together. They clasp hands and they say, us till 2029 or whatever. We've got five-year contract extensions. That's six years. Five-year contract extensions, and here we go, baby, Super Bowl. That's was was within the realm of possibility. And then when that didn't happen, okay, well, look, you know, some of these take a little bit longer than others. So let's kind of work all this through, and then we'll get to the middle of training camp, and then one day – He'll just trot out in front of us and say he's happy to be a Viking for the next five years. And so far, nothing, still nothing. So as this lingers on, you do wonder more and more, is it that he is uh, waiting for this contract to be done? Now, I don't have any issues whatsoever with TJ Hawkinson doing that. What I find weird is if he's saying that it's, an ear issue. Like, why didn't he pick an ankle, a hammy, a soft tissue? Like, how did he come to that conclusion? Or maybe that was something that did crop up earlier. And then we're in the point where it's just moved on to, I'm not going to work out until I've got the contract extension, which brings us to the official stance of purple insider for the entire off season has been that the Minnesota Vikings should extend TJ Hawkinson question for you guys for the chat. Do you agree with that? Do you think that he should, that they should sign him to a long-term naturally 
quite expensive contract extension. Because I think that one of the main goals of this offseason, and we're still in the offseason, is that uh, they sign these guys to long term, that you're setting yourself up for the future to have this offense that can be prolific if you get even a decent quarterback into the mix. And I think Hawkinson is a very important part of that uh, entire mix because he not only was such a great fit for Kirk Cousins last year, but I think really showed us the football IQ that he possesses by being able to step right in the way that he did. He's been largely healthy for tight ends through his career. He's on the younger side. He's a versatile player who can move all over the field. I would not ask him to be, you know, do you guys remember Lee Smith? Okay, I'll say Jim Kleinsaucer. Lee Smith was this giant hulking, run-blocking tight end that bounced around the league a bunch. Use him for immaculate grid if you play that game. But uh, if you know, he's not Jim Kleinsaucer, okay? Like, he's not this big, giant dude who's going to block like crazy. But he is a really good receiving option. He's more of an underneath player, at least at the moment. But I think that he's got the speed to push downfield a little bit more than he did last year. He had a couple drops. Most tight ends do. But I don't have an issue with his hands. His numbers are good. I, I don't know. Like, what, what more is there really to discuss here except for how this team wants to distribute its funds? And is there some question about the positional value of the tight end? And one thing that I did wonder about when they signed Josh Oliver, who is an absolute monster in his size, but also he made a catch today that was like reaching up athletic move that you just don't see a man his size make. So maybe they look at it like, you know, it's uh, maybe they look at it like Josh Oliver, they want to get a look at him. And if they like him for, as the future tight end, they'll go with him or they'll just franchise tag. Um, yeah, you're right. Lee Smith was a great closer Cardinals and Cubs. That's true. Um, but you know, maybe they look at it like they can franchise tag Hawkinson if they want next year, or if they just feel like they've got somebody else in Oliver, they can let him go get the compensatory draft pick and then, you know, move on with somebody else as their tight end. So, you know, I don't know. This is a complicated situation. When you trade a second round pick for a guy who's going into the last year of his contract, the presu the presumption for me was that, okay, you're, you're trading for him to sign him. He's going to be a long-term part of this team, but they also might've just done it for the run and, and tried you know, just to make something happen last year and figured we've got him for two years and we'll go from there. Or they could look at the franchise tag for next year and say, you know, the franchise tag's not going to be that expensive. But I don't really like to do things that way. Like count on the franchise tag. One, these situations can get a little bit ugly at times. But also, that's a big cap hit. You can't mess with the salary cap hit when it's a franchise tag. It is what it is. So you can't extend him out to make the first two or three years that are, uh, you know, a little bit better for your salary cap and then have it be restructurable down the road. It's just, it is what it is. If you want to franchise tag them, maybe they look at it that way. But, you know, I also think that as kind of, I would expect some of you in the comments, like jumping on Quasi for this situation, 
I mean, we're still like what, 20 days from the start of the season. Like this can still play itself out and they can keep TJ Hawkinson long-term. But if they don't, I think we will be saying, huh, what happens here? And I do agree with you guys from the perspective of we went into this offseason and I remember ranking the people with the most uh, pressure on them for this year's training camp. And I think that I put Kwesi at Afalmensa at the top for the person with the most pressure on them because of these complicated situations when it comes to the contracts. And so far, we are getting closer to the season and they have not been resolved. Again, it's not the end of the world if they don't get Hawkinson extended and he's got to play. He doesn't have an option. It's not like you're not going to see TJ Hawkinson just not play when it comes to the season, but things have gotten just a little bit muddy here with this issue. So I look at it as there's still time to extend him. They should extend him. If they don't, he still plays here. You don't like lose him September 10th and he just go, becomes a free agent or something. Still on the team. He's even still on the team through next year if they franchise tag him. And you could use the franchise tag twice if you want to with TJ Hawkinson. But you'd prefer not to because it's just favorable to extend him. I, I think that uh, that would be my preference based on the salary cap is that they extend him they keep him around for a long time. And in, in my mind, unless there's something that they know that I don't know, there's no real red flag with TJ Hawkinson. You know, he is on the younger side. There's, there's no real super shortage in his game other than being maybe not the best run blocker, which doesn't concern me that much that I would say, oh, you, you have to watch out for that or that's not the reason. Um, but yes, uh, the, the, the franchise tag being cheap uh, digits may play into this. That may be a part of the equation. I also think if you're working out a long-term contract extension, you can do even better flexibility-wise. And as you go forward, if TJ Hawkinson ends up having a really good year, the price goes up, right? If he ends up catching 100 passes, the price just goes up to extend him. So you're either letting him go at some point and just trying to squeeze out those franchise tags or you're deciding this guy can be a long-term Viking. In the past, they haven't really franchise tagged people that often. What, Anthony Harris? That really wasn't a very good choice. But uh, they, ha they haven't really done that. They've usually tried to extend guys uh, in this way. So I guess uh, it seems like the red flag is the ear issues. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. That's the only red flag. But... Um, you know, it's 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 interesting just to get the reactions, I, I think, from you guys about this situation, because I think we all kind of stand on the same page. It seems like the very clear consensus is that you want to keep him long term. Uh, Aaron says the franchise tag is eleven point three million. Yeah, that's the thing is this might be a little penny wise pound foolish, though, right? Because if you look at the comparable contracts, what Evan Ingram just got. Uh, George Kittle is a, a different level than TJ Hawkinson. Darren Waller, I think, is considered a different level. So you end up landing between the franchise tag and the highest paid is kind of where I would stand on this. And that's like 15 million, 16 million a year. Now that's higher than the franchise tag, but you can also move the money in different ways. So your cap hit is less than 11 million, especially for the first couple of years. And then you can set it up 
to move money around later if you have to, if you're in a win now window and you've got to create a little extra cap space. For me, it's just about flexibility and the long term. I think this is a player that you want for five years. I don't think that this is a player you want for one extra year with the franchise tag. And then he's not very happy, right? So uh, let me uh, go to some of your uh, comments here. I read that ownership paid $400 million for a soccer team. I think they did. Was it $400 million? Jeez. I guess, you know what I need to get into is like uh, building whatever they built. That's I, I like creating content for you guys, but however they made all this money to build like all the stuff they have, that's what I should be doing. Anyway, uh, let's see. It's tied up ownership's funds and they don't want to spend more money as funds are tight for the Wilfs. Did you hear about this? Um I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that would play into it. I would have assumed that they would have planned out how much money would need to go to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. It's possible that there is some sort of issue because when you give guaranteed money, you actually have to be able to put up the cash is my understanding. But I, I feel like for this ownership group, cash has never been any part of the problem and that you would budget that out to begin with. I mean, that that could be the case, but that seems like a little too far down the conspiracy sort of like, maybe that's where all their money went and now they can't keep their key players. That <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that that's it. I, I think that if it's anything, it's on TJ Hawkins' side, he wants more money than they want to give him. It's probably exactly what we think it is. And what we've seen from Kwesi Adafo Mensa and this front office in general, because he's not the only guy that is doing the negotiations. Rob Brzezinski's involved and so forth. It's a total front office thing. And I think what we've seen is a hard line where it's, hey, we love you, Delvin Tomlinson. You're the best. You're my guy. And then you know, Cleveland comes in with a high price and he says, okay, well you can go to Cleveland then. And Patrick Peterson, Hey, Patrick Peterson, you had an amazing year last year. Come back. Here's a contract offer. Um, Pittsburgh's going to give me more. All right. Well, have a good time in the steel city. That's been really how they've handled everything this year. And I think that you can, for those situations that, you know, they even played a hard line with Harrison Smith and he just decided to come back. And, but when you look at his contract, he's making less money, and I think he just wanted to be here. So I think that that approach is a very good one for those veteran players of we're not going to sign you guys to deals that are going to hurt us long term. When it came to Zadarius Smith, oh, Zadarius, you want more money? Sorry, we're not really in that situation, so have fun in another city. Or Delvin Cook, the same thing. Here's a, you can take this deal, take less money if you want. Although I think they predetermined the Delvin Cook one. But from everything that was out there, it seemed like they had a line that they wouldn't cross. And that was a very, uh, you know, a very conservative line. Like they didn't go very far with these guys and maybe had the plan of sandbagging a little bit and having them say, no, I'm not taking that anyway. That would make a lot of sense. But with these two situations, these are two of the best players at their position in the entire NFL. You can't really draw a hard line with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. Now, both of them, it's not over if they don't sign. But I think that 
your nervous level goes from not nervous at all to, and, and we are talking about a market here in Minnesota that has, I don't know if you guys know this, seen a player or two leave uh, throughout the years. So I think that there's even more of an anxiousness from fans to try to get like uh, people locked up so they're not forcing their way out anytime soon. But yeah, I, I think that they've got a line that they don't want to cross with both of these guys. And, uh, or at least, I mean, the line should be way out there with Justin Jefferson, but with TJ Hawkinson specifically, and if Hawkinson's side isn't coming over that way, then it's not going to happen. But I think that they're that they're going to have to be a little more, you know, willing to stretch on that with somebody of his talent. But if they decide to go the franchise tag route, you know, it's it's not over. But I mean, we are talking about somebody who could be good for a long time. So uh, an odd, I would say, one of the more strange press conferences. And here's me. I I, I hope. I don't know if they put the video up on vikings.com, but like, here's me asking him about Josh Oliver too. Cause I felt uncomfortable. And also Josh Oliver has been awesome by the way. So I want to write something about that. And I was like, is this the time to ask Do you guys mind if I ask about Josh Oliver here? But um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. So anyway, let's see. Um, can you still franchise tag them? If you extend them, it depends on if it's in the contract. Uh, the answer is usually yes. But if you look at like how Kirk Cousins set up his contract, I believe that Cousins set it up so he couldn't be franchise tagged. But um, they they can put it in their uh, contract. Daniil Hunter, that was one that recently happened. You can't franchise tag me. Uh, they I think they put it in there that it was like that. So it would depend. But if you're TJ Hawkinson, that's something you're probably trying to negotiate. And this is the challenge of someone like Hawkinson is there are a lot of considerations to be made that you know go beyond just hey pay the man his money how much guaranteed how many years does he want a 3 year does he want a 5 year does he want the the no franchise tag does he want a trade clause mixed in like all these things and there's also the possibility that they don't think that he is one of the truly elite tight ends in the league i think that he is a, a second tier, but the first tier is going to the Hall of Fame. But there's also a possibility that they just are very shrewd with this and don't want to pay somebody that they don't think is going to be worth that much. I don't know that that should be the case because I think he's very good. Uh, from Matthew, how does tagging them affect the relationship between the team and player? That is a fundamental question here because one of the things is that uh, you know, when we're talking about negotiation prices, what's somebody worth, we often talk about them as if they're a Madden video game character, right? Just like, ah, well, let's fiddle around, push the numbers around and then push submit and contract or, or, or cut them or whatever. Right. Uh, but it, that doesn't work that way. There's a locker room, there's a culture, there's a coaching staff, there's all these considerations and there's your relationship with the player. And I don't think players like to be franchise tagged. I think players like security. They like to get the contract they feel like they're worth. They like to have their day in the sun when all the websites, ESPN is running on the scroll and whatever, like, oh, signed a big mega contract. It's a great day for you. You get franchise tagged. TJ Hawkinson can definitely buy a new house if he wants to. But... 
it's not quite the same as having that big contract that you've earned as a first round pick. You've got the accomplishments, the pro bowl, the big contract, like that's what everybody's looking for. And when the team won't sign you to those dollars, there's a little bit of, Oh, and you know what? Most, most of us have gone through this, right? Like even in life, uh, we're not making millions of dollars, but most people have gone through a situation where you feel like at your job, you are not as respected as you should be. So even if you like your job, and even if the people who are there are telling you, love what you're doing, keep on grinding, man, you got it. But if they're not paying up, then you're saying, well, okay, you're not putting your money where your mouth is. You're not signing me to that long-term deal. So to your question, I think it does affect relationships. I think it does affect long-term signings. So, And that's why I, I was saying like, Pennywise, pound foolish, because yeah, with a tight end that might next year save you a little bit of money, but also if the relationship is harmed and that shortens the time that a star player is here, that's not really good for you. Um, right. I I think that's better to have good relationships with the guys. And it also, again, I, I think it is, uh, cap friendly to sign someone to an extension, because of the flexibility that it gives you. So it seems like um, everybody is is on board in terms of extending TJ Hawkinson after what we saw last year. The only, I, I guess, I mean, it's hard to make an argument against him. The only argument against him you could make is when you look at his usage and you look at the fact that they went out and got Oliver to block or they had Munt last year, he's still in. And uh, sorry, there was a question about that that I'll scroll back and get to. Sorry. But um, Hawkinson doesn't block all that much. Like he was playing somewhere else other than inline about 50% of the time. So if they think, well, we like this guy and he was great last year, but we need more of a traditional tight end. And maybe they don't feel like it's worth paying that much money than somebody who is moving around. Folks, there is no crazier time in my schedule than the fall season. And let me tell you, it is tough to find myself a good and healthy meal. But that is why I have Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help me fuel up with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door Give it a try. It'll save you time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. Trust me, this is an issue with the number of drive-thrus I have to go through with my schedule. If you're too busy like me, with Factor, you can skip the extra drive through or even just skip the trip to the grocery store. You don't have to chop and prep and clean and all those things that take time. Factor's fresh but never frozen meal are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is just heat and enjoy. And you can refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat by choosing from 34 weekly flavor-packed dietitian-approved meals that are, again, ready to eat in just two minutes. That is so helpful. I can't even tell you. The options are crazy. The number of different ways that you can customize this just to you. If you're looking to be calorie-conscious, They've got that too. Try delicious, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to factormeals.com purple50 and use the code purple50 to get 50% off. 
That's code PURPLE50 at factormeals.com slash PURPLE50 to get 50% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did want to kind of like reevaluate where we stood on the entire situation with the general manager, the front office and so forth when we get to the end of training camp, because I don't want to start saying, well, what are they doing? What was going on here? And then have them like extend Hawkinson tomorrow. And it happened that way with Hunter, where we were kind of pushing the button. Jeremy Fowler's out there reporting that well, they're, they're, they're talking about trades and we're going, oh man, it could be. This could be crazy. They might trade Hunter next day. He's got an extension. So let's, let's not hit any panic buttons first, but I will say that if you are uh, at the end of training camp and there's no extension for either player, and then we're going to go, okay, what happened? So what happened? Um, that, that will be a little bit puzzling. So anyway, there was a question about, oh, whether Nick Muse, let me see. And I appreciate all the participation, but I ended up having to scroll way down on the question. It was whether, oh, yeah, whether Nick Muse could be, there it is, from Hunter. Who makes the team, Johnny Munt or Nick Muse? So Muse has been really great in the preseason games. No question about that. And on my initial 53, I included Nick Muse over Johnny Munt. I am going to change that to Johnny Munt making the 53. And I think maybe in like 20 minutes or something, we should do a mock 53 and see if we can figure it all out. And I'll do it on the fly. I didn't have that as an idea, but there seems to be a lot of, uh, you know, kind of chatter about what's going to happen with the 53. So we can, you know, play that game. But the thing with Nick Muse is that you can cut him and put him on the practice squad with no problem. And next year, you might end up having that spot because, you know, is Johnny Munt here for this year and another year? Josh Oliver is clearly here, but now we're not even sure about TJ Hawkinson. I don't know. I I think that uh, probably no one's going to pick up Nick Muse. And the other thing to keep in mind is that whatever you see in the preseason game, even though the first game we got pretty excited for, and I thought that it did tell us some stuff, how people perform in those games just does not seem to be much of a determining factor for this team. It seems like, they really care so much more about joint practices. And that's why they schedule two teams of joint practices. And that just matters to them more in how people perform, that those are their preseason games. And the ones that they put the jerseys on for and show up to U.S. Bank Stadium, they're like for entertainment purposes only and not really in terms of evaluation. Because every question about a player's performance is more or less answered with, well, we weren't really trying. I mean, the other night, it's like they run for 280 yards and it was, well, we were running defenses that weren't made to stop that. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that makes it pretty hard to evaluate guys, doesn't it? But it's just, a, it's a different philosophy that has made it way less easy to pick up on what they're trying to do and who they like. And if it matters that 
you know, a guy stands out or not. And I, I think like if T.Y. McGill last year couldn't make the team after mauling the heck out of everybody as a defensive tackle, that was a pretty clear sign that Nick Muse catching passes or whatever probably doesn't really move the needle. If they do it, I'll be intrigued. Oh, okay, they must like this guy. But they brought over Johnny Mont. They've spoken highly of him. When Kevin O'Connell calls him the best number three tight end, weird comment, but I think that tells you where they stand. So it's, yeah, it's it's hard to kind of figure out from preseason action how they feel about certain guys or, or what exactly that means. Uh, from T. Klubler, why does, uh, or, or uh, did, uh, why did TJ's yards per catch drop so much going from the Lions to the Vikings last year? Bad plays from KOC. I don't think it was that. I think that what he turned into was, well, one, there were two passes that were more downfield-ish that he dropped. And I think that that might play into it. I mean, maybe that's an issue with him. I don't think so, though. There was the one in the end zone against Dallas, and there was one against Detroit. And both of those were like 12, 15-yard passes that he dropped. I don't know how much that impacted it, but I remember there were a couple downfield opportunities he couldn't bring in where they did target him or at least over 10 yards that just didn't work out. So that might be part of it. Uh, I'd have to look at his average depth of target. Maybe I can find that and what that was, because that might tell us a little more clearly, like, was it just the catches that were made? I think uh, more than anything was that Kevin O'Connell likes to send players down the field receivers. I mean, and he's the underneath guy that was there. Can we get an average depth of target here? Sorry, I'm poking around while I'm talking at the same time. That's not as easy as I try to make it look. I don't ever make it look easy, do I? Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, here we go. Average depth of target. So um, let's see. Last year with the Vikings, what was it? Is this is this good uh, streaming right here where I just talk and I, I could show you guys what I'm looking at, but I'm trying to get the little button to move. Okay, there it goes. Uh, it wasn't actually that different. Yeah, that's what I thought. So let me see. Maybe I can show this. Hold on. Everybody just wait quietly. We'll get there. Here it is. There's what I'm looking at. Can you see it? Okay, you can sort of see it. There you go. There you go. Now you can see it. So uh, he had, if we look over at the average depth of target for Detroit, it was 8.2 yards. And if I scroll down for the Vikings, it was 7.7. And I think what happened with Detroit is that he had a couple of yards after catch receptions where he got big yards after catch gain, and it didn't happen with the Vikings. But he does have that capability to get yards after catch. So I think that that's kind of what played into it, plus being that security blanket. So could there be an argument that anybody can be that underneath guy? I mean, maybe, but I don't know if I really buy that because I think he's versatile. I think he's really smart. I'd like to, I'd like them to keep him around. Uh, let's see from Skull City Blues. Uh, heard, oh, uh, you meant Lewis Seen. Uh, limped off the field today. He did, yeah. So they were running some sort of just little special teams drill, and he kind of pulled up lame a little bit, and he didn't participate after that. But he didn't leave the field, so he didn't like go running back into. There's the use the bathroom door and there's the injury door and he didn't go back running into the injury door. So I don't know what happened or if it's going to keep him out. He certainly needs these joint practices. They're going to practice tomorrow and 
Um, it'll be a little bit of an odd thing tomorrow night because I'm doing this event that I should actually tell you guys about uh, tomorrow night at Inbound Brewing, which is near Target Field. You're going to want to check it out. We're calling it Football Jam. So if any of you guys are uh, out and about tomorrow from 6 to 9, somewhere in that range, Inbound Brewing is where I'm going to be doing the show. I am going to do my best to try to stream the show. We're going to be recording at 7. But technologically wise, I'm hopeful, but it's not a guarantee that I'm going to be able to stream it. So I'll do my best to try to at least maybe record it. But that's what's going on tomorrow night. So if you have a chance, Inbound Brewing from 6 to 9. Uh, I'm trying to create like my own uh, immaculate grid game, pick the Vikings. If you show up early, get you, you know, 50% off a beer. So make sure you check it out. But anyway, to your point, yeah. um, Lewis scene did kind of pull up and didn't practice after that. And, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen there, but there has been a lot of Lewis scene discussion on the show recently. And I think we've all kind of come to the same spot. This year, at the start of the season, Lewis Seen will not be competing for a starting position, and it will be next year, whether it is the let's call it or not. We are much closer to calling it right now, much closer than we were at the beginning of camp, because I thought there was like a 50-50 shot that Lewis Seen just showed up, rose to the occasion took away the first team job, or at least had Josh Metellus' job, where Brian Flores said, man, you're doing so well, I'm going to get you some spot, because he's done that with Metellus. So I thought that that was possible, but the fact that that hasn't happened has just pushed us much toward the, this might not work out, but I'm willing to give it one more camp next year uh, or see what happens throughout the season. He may be pushed into a role. We're just assuming everybody's going to play all the games. Might not happen, but... At this moment, it is not trending in the right direction. And if he's not able to practice this week, two more vital practices for them, the joint practice still, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be not good for him as it's been not good for a lot of players. So just to kind of run through, and I know I usually start the show this way, but we just got rolling on Hawkinson. But just to kind of roll through, um, Jalen Naylor was working out today. So I think there's a decent chance that Jalen Naylor is practicing this week and maybe gets into the game this week. Uh, yeah, this weekend. I think that that is possible based on the fact that he was out there actually working out today. He was running routes, catching the football. Looks like it's time to get him ramped back up after a long wait with what was some sort of leg injury. But every time, and some of you have pointed this out, every time Kevin O'Connell talks about Jalen Naylor, Seems to light up a little. Uh, he seems to like Jalen Naylor. We just haven't had a chance to really see it. And because he hasn't been practicing, last year I thought he was fine in practices, got in a couple games, made a couple of plays, but really we don't have an evaluation like he does. So maybe they feel like they like the way that Jalen Naylor handles himself in meetings and understands the offense, and they've just been waiting for him to get back. So it looks like that's going to happen because he was out there today. Jordan Addison was also out there today, but had a red jersey on, which is a non-contact, what, what quarterbacks wear. I would assume that, I actually don't know if he's still in the protocol or out of the protocol, but just a precaution to wear that. 
but he was doing everything. So he was running around, he was making his catches and, and whatever. He had a couple nice catches today in this sort of slow motion version. Uh, I assume that he will be back as well in practicing against the Cardinals this week and that they can go forward with the, the starting receivers, assuming that we, you know, get to week one. Uh, but Kenny Wongwu, Brian Asamoah, still not practicing and still watching their jobs go to other people. Uh, also, Jordan Tuamu, for all of you XFL fans, all of us, there are literally dozens for Arrested Development fans. There are literally dozens of us XFL fans. Jordan Tuamu was really hucking it out there. So I, and I, we didn't talk about this at all because it's a backup quarterback and we had a football game the other day and stuff. But them bringing in Jordan Tamu, you kind of go, what's that about? Like, who are they sending a message to? Is it Nick Mullins? Are they not happy with how it's going? I mean, it hasn't gone great in practice for Nick Mullins, but that's what I would expect for a backup. Is it Jaron Hall that they want to just kind of light a fire? I don't know. I thought Jaron Hall was better. Or was it you just got an opportunity to bring somebody in, put on the practice squad maybe, or give a chance? Or if you don't plan on the third game playing Mullins, you need to have somebody else. Like if you're not going to dress Mullins, then you need to have someone else to go with uh, Jaron Hall. Maybe you figure you give him a chance to compete. I don't know. Like slightly interesting. I don't know how interesting it is. Yeah, so, some of you know the reference. Uh, Hunter says, vibe check inside TCO. Still positive or is there any tension and worry? I think that the injuries should cause a little bit of tension and a little bit of worry. And the fact that the players that we mostly named and listed as, hey, big camp for, let's run down them. Big camp for Ed Ingram. Anybody feel better about that? Not yet. Big camp for Andrew Booth Jr. He's still behind Jawan Williams. Big camp for Brian Asamoah. So far, he's been beat out by an undrafted free agent. I, I mean, a Caleb Evans. Uh, Makai Blackman, those are some guys who have stepped up. Jordan Addison, of course. But Kenny Wongwu, huge camp for Kenny Wongwu. You want to be a guy, you got a chance. And he hasn't practiced. I mean, so, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of guys that were kind of expected to be in semi-key positions. I mean, Asamoah was expected to be a starting linebacker. But, I mean, Kenny Wongwu being RB2, that's a pretty important position in the NFL today with running backs get injured all the time. And we just haven't seen him. So there's been a lot of those players. I don't think that that changes the reality, though, that most of the defense is healthy and they haven't lost a bunch of guys to major injuries. Right now, you've got Blackman out. Not sure how long. Not major, according to the report. And then you've got, uh, aside from that, just Brian Asamoah. But it seems like he wasn't starting there anyway. And the rest of them are healthy. And on offense, Addison missed a couple days. Everybody else healthy. The whole offensive line, good to go. Of course, these might be famous last words, but you know, you've know you got the receivers, Jefferson, Osborne, you're starting running back. So you know, I think that it's really around the margins that there's some of these things. But um, overall, the team is, is in pretty good shape at the moment, I think. Um, but when you have some of these players that we talk about as being exciting in training camp, and then they get hurt, and then we don't see any of them, then you go, okay, well, you know, I mean, I I guess we don't have anything to talk about there. You want, you guys want to talk about how Jefferson's awesome again? He is. They should extend him too. He's great. Like, there you go. There's a take. 
right? So some of these guys that were supposed to be interesting, I think we all came into camp after minicamp and OTAs saying, Jalen, Jalen Naylor, man, like he really showed out in the spring, big chance for him. And then we just haven't had a chance. So our vibes may have been brought down a little bit by that, but I think overall they know, I mean, their quarterback is operating the offense pretty well. Their top receiver is a superstar and has just destroyed everything in sight. They should also feel really good about uh, the training camp that KJ Osborne has had the, uh, you know, the training camp that Jordan Addison has had overall. So, you know, I, I think that that's gone pretty well. All right. What else do we got to talk about? Uh, let's see. Is it possible Ivan Pace is just that good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's possible that he's better at this point in his career than Asamoa. And yeah, you're right. It does get presented to some extent as he took Asamoa's job. But also, I mean, if like if you're the incumbent Asamoah and they were really excited about you as a third round pick who got in a little bit last year and made a couple splash plays like that should be your job. Right. Unless you you have somebody else you know take it away. So, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Is it is it maybe it isn't that rational to be down on Asamoah, but he had his job taken away and then hasn't practiced since. And it's, it's kind of hard to be up on him. But it, to your question, Ivan Pace has had a tremendous training camp. He has had a really tremendous training camp. And the way that the coaches talk about him, they get you know very excited when it comes to that. So uh, I think that they expect now him to step in and be a good starter right off the bat based on what they've seen in training camp. That's that's kind of the vibe that you get. So maybe it, maybe it is more of just that. Um, let's see. Who do we see on special teams? Uh, well, Najee Thompson has certainly earned himself a job. I think he looks like he's the special team guy, although he, you know, he got banged up the other night as well, but every year there's kind of some player that just emerges the Dan Dracena and so forth that just emerge and they win one of those jobs. I think it's important to have one of those players that is your gunner and plays every part of special teams. Not something that you really appreciate until it's actually good. Um, you know, so I, I think that Thompson is, is a really great story. Uh, do you guys want to play around the 53? You want to give it a shot? Let's see. Maybe I can screen share a blank sheet here. Let's give it a shot. Let's talk about the 53. Guess what I'm doing for all my road trips. I'm figuring out what other sports games I can go to. And you know, who's giving me a huge hand with this is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you have. So I can just say, travel to Philadelphia and pull up the Game Time app and figure it out on the fly. Flash deals for last-minute tickets easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event. It doesn't just have to be baseball or basketball, like what I love. And images are shown of your seats. You get the lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off. Download GameTime today. 
Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Here we go. This is a blank sheet. We can make a 53. Maybe I can make big giant letters for everybody to be able to read. Uh, what's the question here? Doesn't uh, the players union have any say in contract talks in these players? How does it work with agents in the players union during talks? I don't think that the players union would have to be involved at all in something like what's going on now. It's pretty straightforward between the team and the player. Um, and it's whether they, they get them signed or not. I, I mean, I, I don't think that there's anything that's nefarious. Maybe with the Lamar Jackson stuff, there would be. That's where it would be. So here's a question right off the bat. For our mock 53, Kirk Cousins will make the starting team. And Nick Mullins, I assume. Are we are we all good with saying that there's just two quarterbacks uh, leave a guard spot open for free agent? <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. I mean, Chris Reed has not practiced at all. My assumption is that they think that Chris Reed will get healthy and that he'll be back and he will be the backup guard at the moment. But yeah, I think that you're right, Matthew, and I'm not going to try to fill out a practice squad here because that is insane. But um, I think that Jaron Hall will be on the practice squad or Jordan Tuamu. Like you can do that if you want with uh, older players. So in the running back room, we're going to go, obviously, Madison. Wong Wu, assuming he's healthy, might might be an IR situation. That could happen. Chandler. Now, I got I got a little question marks here, though. I mean, and of course, uh, well, we, we give his own designation to CJ Ham. I have questions about whether they're going to keep um Dwayne McBride or not. It has not been an exciting training camp for Dwayne McBride. I don't think that he has shown that he could be trusted in real games. So they've got a couple other guys. They've got Abram Smith from the XFL. Uh, they got the other guy they signed, Aaron Dykes, who had a good kick return the other night. I am not really sure about who starts at running back, if it's Dwayne McBride or not. Wide receiver is tricky. Justin Jefferson, of course, and KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison. So that's a three. As of this moment, I'm assuming it's Naylor with the fact that he's back. Do we go Rager or Powell? I have been really struggling if it's Rager or Powell. I, I you know, the other night somebody was asking, and I was like, no, it's you know, it's it's definitely Rager. He was kind of getting the first team reps. And then I don't know, like the other night, I thought Powell played well. I think Powell runs better routes, probably catches the ball a little bit better, has had a good kick return. I am really conflicted about that. And I think that Jackson belongs on the team and then Powell, but I could be wrong about that. That's one that's really hard to figure out because that makes six. And I don't know if they want to keep six. I don't know if they want to keep Christian Jackson. He's just been so good. He had another really, really good, uh, uh, really, really good uh, catch today. Um, let's see. So, uh, I'm making this, <laughs> sorry, Skull City Blues. I'm making this like on the fly here. I didn't pre-make the depth chart. So I'm I'm working on it on the fly here. Tight end, we've got Hawkinson. If I just type in the whole thing, uh, then we won't have much to talk about. Let's see. Ha We're assuming it's, you know, Hawkinson, Oliver, and Muse. No, not Muse, Munt. And Muse goes on the practice squad. 
And the offensive line, we've got, you know, the obvious starters. And I assume that we don't need to argue too much about the backups. But how many will they keep? Schlotman, Udo, Vidarian Lowe, and Blake Brandle. That would be four more. So we'll assume starters and four more. Starters and four more. On the D-line, now this is where it gets interesting on the defensive line. Yeah, you guys want you guys want Brandon Powell. I understand that. I that's where I'm leaning right now, but I swing back and forth with every practice and every you know every game that they play because Rager got the first reps in the first preseason game, and then Powell got the first reps punt returning in the last game. So maybe that's where our real competition went. We don't get that uh, competition for the kickers, unfortunately. Now the D line is pretty tough. Because you have, you know, you've got uh, obviously Lowry, Tonga, Phillips. Do we count outside linebackers as D line? I'm going to do that. Wanham, Hunter, Davenport. So there's your guys that are going to play regularly. Now, who goes behind them is a pretty interesting question. Because then we've got Atomowo, Sheldon Day. TJ Smith, Ross Blacklock, Bullard is a lock. Bullard is definitely a lock. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then I think that they're going to keep 10 defensive linemen. Oh, yes, Patrick Jones. Thank you. That's why you guys are here. Jones. So now I'm at eight. So now it comes down to are you keeping TJ Smith as a little interior depth? Atomo, I think Atomo all makes the team. Because he's got a little bit of upside. I thought he played. I think I agree with you. I think Blacklock is out. Atomowo is in. And I'm going to say TJ Smith is probably in there. He is not as flashy, but he's just like another big body for the middle. And that might be how it plays out. The linebackers are pretty straightforward. And I think that the secondary is pretty straightforward too. And the special teamers. So there isn't like a ton to debate there. I mean, if you guys wanted to debate uh, Troy Reader versus Abraham Boplan, I mean, we can. So I think that that gives us a pretty good look at what this is going to be like on the 53. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Jaqueline Roy. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good call. So maybe there. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Jaqueline Roy. So there might be a debate there between TJ Smith. Sheldon Day, Jaqueline Roy, because that's three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Are they keeping eleven of those guys? Probably not. And then, oh yeah, N Najee Thompson on the secondary is the guy to debate because it's pretty straightforward. Otherwise, they're not cutting Andrew Booth, and uh, Jawan uh, Williams is going to be on the team. Jay Ward is going to be on the team. I think it's it's going to be hard for Theo Jackson to make it, and then Najee Thompson as the um as the special teamer and i think we can make that all work for 53 so yeah you're right uh jeffrey that tj smith has looked serviceable that's true um this is just reader belongs in a library not on the field so there's some of the debates that we can run through with the 53 i figured we could just do that on the fly um maybe i'll put an official one out and put all the work into it so you guys won't have to remind me who's on the team <laughs> next time uh so uh what else do we want to talk about before we wrap up for the evening uh this has been another fun chat always interesting um but it is kind of you know do they keep tristan jackson is a real 
big question for me going into the final cuts. Is it TJ Smith? Do they keep 11 defensive linemen? They usually keep 10, could make a change there. Do they try to fit Theo Jackson? Do they make room for Najee Thompson? I think that they will. So there's a lot to discuss and break down when we get there. Um, the thing that, I, you know, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, Luigi Valane. That's right. See how hard this is? Luigi Valane on the D-line. I Oh man, that's a good question. So the, then do you send out TJ Smith or Asazia Tomowo? That's a good one. Hmm. Because Luigi Valane's been good. And you do need edge depth because you would only have four outside linebackers if Belaine isn't there. So, yeah, that maybe it is a Tomo who's gone. I don't know. I mean, he was playing quite a bit in the preseason game, which is not the greatest sign for him. And maybe they could get him to the practice squad. But he was out there last year, had a couple of plays where he flashed. Uh, that D-line is, is pretty challenging. Um. Well, you're right here. Before I answer that question, uh, I, I think if I ha we have to remind you of a player, he wouldn't have stood out in camp. Well, the reason I wasn't thinking of Jaqueline Roy is because he hasn't practiced in a while. So, yeah, that that is it. Uh, cut Patrick Jones, keep Fellaine. I don't think so. The fact that Jones was not playing the other night would make me think that he is probably in and probably uh, safe on the roster. Uh, Valene though should probably be in there just as depth, right? I, that I, I don't know. I mean, there, you do need some depth there. They just cut a guy, Curtis Weaver. You've got Benton Whitley. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's good. Let's see. So, uh, Jordan says, how should the Viking use the rest of the cap space for this year? Well, I think that ties back into, uh, what we were talking about with TJ Hawkinson which is on him, uh, him and Justin Jefferson. That would be the place that I would start is just with those extensions that you kind of need to keep some of that cap space available because the more money you can work into this year, the better. That means you don't have to pay it later and your team is already formulated, just gives you a little more space down the road to work with. But if they're not going to do that, then, I, you know, this was something I wrote about and I have really debated heavily over whether I think they should sign people or not, because there's definitely a part of me that thinks, yeah, I mean, you should sign people like you're here to win, right? Look around the NFC. Can you not win the NFC? I think you, well, maybe the whole NFC would be hard, but can you not win the NFC North? I think you can, but it, not if you get Alexander Madison hurt and nobody can play running back behind him, that's going to be tough. Or if your cornerback depth struggles so much, or, you know, a number of other things. So they could use it on some last minute free agents. But I think that this is the week to do it because you can get somebody in, have them participate against the Cardinals in joint practices as much as you could. Try to get them in a preseason game, have them ready to go by the start of the season. That would be it, it, my plan would be if you're signing players then do it now. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. though. It just Seems like, you know, they've had guys in and they're not that interested in filling out some of these spots and they want to let the young players play. And I'm very on the fence about that because the young players have had quite a long time to prove themselves during this training camp and they have not done it yet. And, and so we're, we're waiting. 
you know, we're, we're waiting like, okay, are, are you going to sign somebody or are you just going into this season? Like, you know, sink or swim. And if that's the case, I understand it. But I also think that you set the expectations at returning to the playoffs. So you really do have to do everything you can now that you've got a sample size on some of these guys not working out a little on the very much on the fence in that. That's what I wrote uh, about today at the website. Uh, from Jason, any chance we look at Greedy Williams since he was just cut? Somebody's cut right now. I've got big questions. Big questions. Why is he being cut? He is a former high draft pick, which we've seen Quasi Adafalmenza take shots on. He has pretty consistently brought in guys who were second-round draft picks, first-round draft picks like Jalen Rager, like Ross Blacklock, Juwan Williams. But also... So why did he get cut? Why did he get cut now? Does he have an injury? Is he just bad? How many players that get cut in the middle of a training camp like this latch on somewhere else and it works great? Or, you know, did they say, hey, look, you know, we've got other players we want and you're going to get cut. So we'll cut you now and you can latch on with another team. But usually they wait till the end to make their cuts. Uh, that would definitely make me question. Uh, why he was let go. And Quasi Adafalmenso would have some insight into that being from Cleveland. So if he really liked him, that would be someone that they would look at. Uh, this is true that last minute free agent running backs are a dime a dozen. But if one of the key elements of Kevin O'Connell's offense that he's concerned about is pass blocking, it does take a little bit to get the pass blocking stuff down as a running back. I don't know if you just want to sign some guy after 53s get cut down and maybe have to potentially use that player if there's an injury in the running back room, or would you want to just give him more time? Uh, I, I think you'd probably want to give him more time, but you do make a fair point that running backs tend to be kind of everywhere. Even during the regular season, there's always somebody kicking around who signs in week four and is fine. So yeah, that that's not a panic position, but you know, if you're signing for some other spot, if you need depth corner, if you're looking for another rusher, if you're looking for another lineman, it would be wise to do it now. Uh, who on the defensive line can make it to the practice squad? Well, they can put whoever they want on the practice squad. It just depends on whether that player agrees to sign to the practice squad. So if you wanted like Sheldon Day, who had a great game the other night, he's a veteran. But it used to be that there was only so much eligibility, and that still kind of exists. But now uh, you can put veterans on there. So if you want to use one of the veteran spots, you can, which I think has been great for the NFL is to have those veteran uh, spots on the practice squad. So they could put whoever there. It just depends on would they get signed by someone else? Would they agree to it? That's that's part of the conversation as well. And I think, you know, somebody like Asazia Tomowo, do you want to go try it somewhere else if they're cutting you? I don't know. Do you sign here? Is there interest from someone else? I'm not sure. Um, so let's see. From Jordan, I guess the better question is, who can the Vikings afford to sign right now? I mean, I still keep looking at Melvin Ingram and wonder why that wouldn't be a thing. I mean, DJ Wanham is a rotational rusher right now. And over the last few years, we've seen, I mean, not a lot from DJ Wanham. His pressure rate was pretty low. His sacks you know, were high one year, but then certainly went down uh, last year. 
I mean, if you're, if you've seen him for four years, do you need more analysis of him? You've seen, I mean, they have four years of tape as him as a Viking. I know this team had him just last year, but even Patrick Jones, like, are you expecting more from him or could you just sign a Melvin Ingram? They also could want to sign these guys after week one. You know, there's that little wrinkle about week one, where if you sign someone after week one, then you don't have to pay them the guaranteed deal. And that plays into it as well. And potentially we've seen some of those signings happen after week one, because of that, they could be holding out an edge rusher where it's a little more simple, but right now I think everyone should be on the table for who they can afford. Uh, I, it must be with Dalton Reisner that he wants too much money. I think that could be it for Reisner, but that's the only thing I can think of for why he hasn't signed. I'm not sure. Uh, what about Bob says, unless the offense puts up 30 plus a game, this team is winning six to eight games, one or two injuries. And we're drafting top five to which Ken follows up with. I'll take tra- drafting top five. Good timing there, Ken. Good timing. Uh, yeah. Well, and look, if you're drafting top five, then, I mean, we know the deal with that 30 plus points a game. Uh, you know, I guess what you're saying is that the defense is going to be horrible. I would have a tough time arguing with that if they had a different defensive coordinator. I am always a little bit skeptical about how much a defensive coordinator can impact what's going on. But there are some numbers that have tried to attempt to figure it out, how much play calling matters for defensive coordinators. And Brian Flores does very well in those metrics. His defenses have been very boomer bust over the years, which makes it harder to figure out when you're attacking the quarterback all the time. You are going to give up big plays. You are going to stress the corners. We also don't know that these corners aren't good. What we've seen so far from a Caleb Evans and Makai Blackman has actually been pretty good. And we'll just assume that Blackman is here and Evans is here. They do have injury issues, and if there are injuries, and you're, it's Jawan Williams and Andrew Booth Jr., but this, this goes for a lot of teams, of course. When you look at that defensive line, Hunter, Davenport, okay, Dean Lowry, Harrison Phillips, these are all guys who could play in the NFL. I mean, you should have a serviceable group of defensive linemen at that point, but it, to me, it all comes down to the coverage. The outside corners. These guys are going to be stressed quite a bit this season. And if they can handle it, then you've got corners for years and your defense can be decent. If they can't handle it, then exactly the scenario you're laying out is right. And I guess the question that I come back to is, should they have signed someone like Ron Darby as a just in case? Because I'm not super confident in Juwan Williams and Andrew Booth Jr. Should they have tried to fill that out a little bit more? rather than just taking shots on on people or having young players step into those roles. But that's what it means to be in a competitive rebuild. So a lot to still uh, take in with this team. Can we start the – that's good. That's a nice throwback, Matthew. Can we start the skull searching next week? Uh, by the way, so a couple of things to tell you guys about. Reminder that inbound brewing is where we're going to be tomorrow night, 6 to 9 o'clock. Of course, six to nine had to do it, but seven to eight is when I'm going to do the podcast live at Inbound Brewing. So if you enjoy the show, if you're in Minneapolis or wherever, it's not that far from St. Paul, 
It's down by Target Field, easy to park, not hard to find, super nice place. They're gonna have food trucks, it's gonna be hot out, it'll be nice. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some stuff, bring some mini footballs, bring some posters that got that helmet on them. So it's gonna be a fun time. We're gonna make a whole thing out of it. And I want it to be a simulation of what this is like, where people ask questions and we make it interactive. So that'll be a fun time. That is inbound brewing tomorrow night. Also, later this week, I am going out to Circa, which is in Las Vegas. So Thursday, there's going to be a couple shows that pop up live. So um, be keep an eye on for those. But I'll be in Vegas on Thursday and Friday doing some shows out there for the Millions Contest with Circa. And that's going to be really fun. CircaSports.com if you guys want to find out about that. And also highly suggest Circa as a place to go to... Um, if you're going to the game this year in Vegas, that's where I'm going to be is at Circa. So just want to tell you guys about that before I forgot. I can answer a few more questions here before we wrap up. Uh, does the Reisner, I assume you mean news, ever get leaked about any free agents wants or uh, are we just glazed over by football after week one? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that does. I haven't heard anything. It's just been my assumption that the only thing that would keep that guy off a team would be his own demands. And it's getting pretty late at this point. Is he waiting for somebody to get hurt and, and somebody to get like banged up? Uh, am I going to go on VEASAN? Possibly. I don't know. I, I've gone on with those guys before. That's a very cool network out there. I, I would like that. I hope that I can uh, can meet those guys. Does Sean King work for them? I've met them a few times through the years, but I would like to go and, uh, and meet them. We'll see. But to the point, we will find out at some point about Dalton Reisner. He's either going to sign last minute. He's going to wait for somebody to get hurt and get desperate and pay his price, or he's just going to sit out. I don't know. But I, I mean, I wondered, is he not a fit with places? But then I remembered that Richie on incognito was brought back to the league. So there's no real standard with that. Um, you know, if teams get desperate and want a guard, they'll go get a guard. I, I would guess that he's just holding out for his price and, and hoping that, not hoping, but waiting to see if a team says, you know what, our guard situation is bad. They also might have told him he had to compete in training camp, the Vikings, with Ed Ingram or Ezra Cleveland, and they just decided, or he just decided, no, I don't want to compete. I want that starting job if you're going to give it to me. Uh, from Newt, I am less excited for this year based on the talent level. Quasi did not improve his interior offensive line. Good teams win in the trenches. Now you're right. Well, so that's a hard one. I mean, if you now, I I personally would have tried to improve the interior offensive line. I am on your side with that. But if you are going into a year with a clear plan, which is to give a lot of players sink or swim situations then you have to let it play out. Like that is what they've laid out here. And again, I would have a parachute. Maybe they thought Chris Reed was going to be that. And he has been a starter in his career in the past, but a lot of situations, the cornerbacks are, are definitely this, the linebacker aside from Jordan Hicks, a little bit of the receiver element, the running back for sure. Alexander Madison, sink or swim. We brought you back because we like you, but he's never started before. That's what it means to kind of be in the middle where they're in between a total rebuild where you've got nothing 
and a championship caliber contender where it's all veterans or stars or young stars. So they want to find out who's a part of this team in the future well competing. It's a hard thing to do. And sometimes that means starting a guy that you don't think is going to make it. I don't know if they think he's going to make it. I know you don't think he's going to make it, but we'll see. We'll see because these guys do develop. And that's probably what they want to find out is can he develop? And we've seen that before. We saw that with Garrett Bradbury last year. I don't know. It's part of the entire direction. It's sort of what they said they were going to do. Uh, I mean, also, can I just, I mean, I know I try not to give this rant very often, but if the reason you're not excited for the season is the guard position, I don't like, then we're just too far. We've just gone too far. Like we need a game. We've just gone too far. We've just passed a certain line. Like if you can't win the division, if you're the Vikings in this kind of meh division, if you guys are watching baseball this year, this is the, the, the NFC North could be the AL Central. They're just not that good, right? Lots of teams that are mediocre. If you can't win the division because of a guard, then you weren't good anyway. This team won 13 games with this interior line last year. Like you can overcome. We can make it together. We can, they could be a good offense despite a bad guard. That's possible. When you have the greatest receiver on earth, two of the best tackles on earth, three good receiver, like a, a good quarterback, like you can do it. You can do it. I, I really don't think that we need to focus so much on the guard position all the time to the point where it's losing your your enthusiasm for the season. Uh, what about Bob says, would love to hear your non-Viking writer opinion of the current Vikings team. Take your reporter hat off and honestly say what you think. What Do you think I'm lying to you? Like, I don't know what you mean. You think I'm like... I'm not sure what you what you think I'm doing here. Uh, I, there's there's never a moment of me doing this job ever where it's anything but what I think. If I thought they were going to win five games, I would tell you guys they're going to win five games. I don't think they're going to win five games. Their quarterback has never won five games. He's always won seven games or more, so we could start there. And I also think that when you look at Brian Flores' history, you can point to actual data that shows that he has uh, elevated what he has. And when he's had good defenses, they've been great. And when he, you know, so I think that they should be a team that's in the mix for the NFC North. You have the best wide receiver on earth. You should have a top 10 offense. You should be in the mix. It's not a great NFC. Uh, That's not a guarantee. I'm not putting $50,000 on it. I just think that's where they should be. I set my win losses by the expectation of what they should be. And they should be a 10 win team. They should be a nine win team. They should be competing for this division. I mean, if you think that they're going to be horrible, that's a a fine opinion going into a season. None of us know last year. I thought they were going to win nine games. They won 13. They totally surprised me in 2021. I thought they were going to win 11 games. And they won eight because they lost all the final games. Nobody really knows. Even those Vegas over-unders, not that predictive of how it actually works out. But I feel like we've been doing this long enough to not be suggesting that I'm like holding back my true takes. I think they should sign TJ Hawkinson, get a couple other free agents in here, and win 10 games. Those are real. Those are the real takes. I guess if you disagree, that's totally fine. That's why we do this. 
so we can have fun dialogue about whether, you know, how good they're going to be. I think they should be more than a six win team. Uh, and their, their schedule, you know, we've had a few people come on, talk about the schedule. I think it's pretty challenging, but there are others who think that maybe we're forgetting that they play Carolina, they play Vegas, Tampa Bay week one, like not every game is going to be, you know, super tough. So anyway, uh, I am bringing you the, the one and only opinions of mine. I don't shut the camera off and then say to the wife, boy, got him again tonight. <laughs> uh, anyway, and, and by the way, if you, if you guys have been following for long enough, I mean, at one point it's like, I, cause none of us are afraid to upset the team. I don't know if you think that that's what's going on. I mean, at one point, if anybody remembers the code words rants from back in the day, then you'll know that that's the case. Uh, Anthony says time of possession will be so key for us this season. We need lots of long scoring drives to keep our defense off the field as much as possible. Yeah. You know where I think that's really important because I think it's hard to say like, yes, time of possession. But if you run more, then are you kind of doing an inefficient thing and giving the ball back anyway? Right. Where I think that's really important is when you are, say, up by like 10 points in the third quarter, your win probability is like 85%, 90% at that point. You're up at that. You get the ball back up 10 points. This happened to the Vikings, I don't know how many times, or whatever, you know, touchdown, two touchdowns last year. And they'd go three and out, give the ball right back. That is what can't happen. It's, I think when you're getting ahead and you're sustaining drives toward the end of games, they did this really well in 2019. That's where the running game comes in. And that's where the play action game really, really crushes. Wasn't it, um, was it a couple of years ago when they, they got the lions on that, where they were beating the lions and they ran a play action, threw it down the field. I, th I think, was it Diggs? Maybe I forget what year that was where they were beating the lions and they needed to close it out. And they ran a play action, hit a big shot and ended the game that way. That's, that's what they didn't do well last year. They would come out, run for negative yards on first down, throw short incomplete or pressure punt away three and out when you're up 10. And then the other team has their chance. That's what they're looking for when Kevin O'Connell talks about, yeah, this is why we got Josh Oliver. This is why we're going to run big personnel, get CJ Ham out there and, and things like that. So um, I think that's what they're looking for from Madison when they're up in those games to be able to push forward and keep the chains moving a little bit. And even if you end up running eight plays and punt the ball away, at least you grinded some clock down as opposed to two incomplete passes or something like that. Uh, from Kurt with the competitive rebuild, does the front office opt to roll with what we've got or opt to make a big move if we lose a key player for extended time? That's a great question. I think based on what we've seen so far, now they haven't lost anyone key so far, assuming that Makai Blackman is fine. So we don't have an answer to that. I think that based on what we've seen with them, not just seeing a position group struggle and running out to the free agent market that they would let it play out. But that might depend. I mean, because we've seen more action this year or in recent years at the trade deadline. So let's say that, you know, you're getting rolling. You start off four and two, you're in a good place. You feel like you're the best team in the NFC North. And then somebody goes down. 
you might go out and trade for someone just like they did last year, even if it could potentially hurt you a little bit down the road. But if you're not giving up that first round pick that might be dedicated to a quarterback, they might do that. It's really circumstantial. I think at this moment right now, they would just grind through it. Because, and we've seen that before where it was not a very good idea. Trading for Chris Herndon with a fourth round pick, not a very good idea. Uh, Kurt follows up with, I'd prefer to roll with it. I, yes, I agree. I agree. I think that I would prefer to roll with it as well. So uh, what about Bob says, did you see Cousins get killed on quarterback? I did, but you know, I can also call up, you know, the, the numbers here as well. His sack percentage was not that high. He dropped back like 600 times. I think anybody who drops back six, I'm not saying he didn't get pressured, okay? But what, what I'm saying is that you can overcome having one bad position on the offensive line. I don't know anybody who doesn't. Like what, what quarterback in the league does not have a bad offensive lineman? Philadelphia? Is that pretty much it? That that doesn't have like you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot of pressure in the NFL. There's a lot of bad offensive line play in the NFL. There's not that many guys who are good when um or or offensive lines that are good all the way across. So you know, Cousins was pressured on 35 percent of his dropbacks last year. Uh, Josh Allen was pressured on 34. Patrick Mahomes 33. You know. I mean, it's not it's not that you don't have an opportunity on 65% of your passes to overcome that. And by the way, I mean, Kirk Cousins last year was the second best in the league in yards per attempt when pressured. He was better than Patrick Mahomes when pressured last year in terms of yards per attempt. You can overcome it. I, I, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It does hurt. But you can overcome having one bad offensive guard. And for year after year, that to be a constant, like, why don't they have any more guards? Why don't they have any more guards? I know. I know it's not great. And part of the reason is the quarterback that brings about some of that pressure. But if you end up with the 17th best offense in the league or something, I don't think I could just look at the guard and be like, oh, it's his fault. Because there are a lot of not great guards. Uh, Delton says they had the most three and outs in the NFL because they had the two worst guards. It's well, first of all, I mean, it's not because they, it's, it really isn't because they had the guards. I mean, look, the overall pressure, my point was the overall pressure was they, they were pressured. Okay. It was 35%. That is a, a, a good amount. And, and a lot of that pressure is coming up the middle because almost none of it's coming from the outside. And that is a problem. It is. But when a lot of the other great quarterbacks in the league are, also facing about the same amount of pressure. I don't think it's like that absurd to say that you can overcome it. I also agree that they should have been better. I'm not defending the guard. I'm saying that sometimes we here just over obsess with the guards and they can find ways to work through it. It should not destroy your offense. And the reason that they had a lot of three and outs is also because they had the most negative runs on first down. That's a big deal too. And so they're trying to avoid that um, this year. I get, I'm just saying, like, if you look at the pressure numbers from Kirk Cousins last year, it did not destroy them last year. And it doesn't have to this year. I, I mean, again, second highest yards per attempt in the league 
when he was pressured. He took a lot of hits. You don't want him to do it again. And I'm not saying it's great. Uh, and I know you said he's a bust center. Not last year he wasn't. Last year he was a fine center. Here, here's, here's how offensive line works, okay? This has been studied. If you have the worst offensive line in the league, it's a huge deal. You get crushed. You can't operate. And we've seen that. That's 2016. If you have the best offensive line in the league, top five, you crush other people. You can do things that nobody else can do. And again, this has been studied that in the middle of that, from like the fifth to the 20th, if you're somewhere in there, you should be able to operate that that's about normal. And there's not like this huge advantage or this unbelievable disadvantage. And that's where the Vikings were last year by PFF that they were. And this is studied with PFF numbers. So I'm not going to sit here if they end up 20th in offense or something and be like, oh man, guard. Like, no, that means that your quarterback didn't play well or teams found a way to scheme your coach and your receiver. And and that's what I'm going to look at. Now, if Darisaw gets hurt, we might be talking about something different. So, and, and, and look, it's not to say that they're good. Okay. It's just to say that a lot of the problems with the interior pressure are because teams put all of their efforts into that and they're not getting pressured wildly more than other teams in the NFL. It's just where the pressure is coming from that really stands out. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I look at it. Uh, Jay says the Delta, uh, the Delta, the data says guards are the issue. Yeah. Can they overcome? They didn't. And the fan base is clearly concerned because Quasi is the data guy. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, did they, so here's the thing when you draft Ed Ingram in the second round and again, this is not me saying I believe Ed Ingram will be great, but you are more apt in a situation such as this, where you're trying to find out who can play in the future if he can play. And you, having just seen Garrett Bradbury have his best year a couple of years into his career, you have to give some of these guys time. There's examples all over the league of guys who were really bad in their first years as rookies. DJ Humphreys is a guy who was a tackle. Colton Miller is a tackle. There's a number of players. If you look up rookie guys where they ranked in, in pass blocking, and then you go into a situation as Ingram, and again, not defending him, you go into a situation where you have two great tackles, which means everybody's attacking these guards, especially with the fact that they're inexperienced or that especially Ingram was in, inexperienced. So he's going to give up a lot of pressures. But you also know that. It's not like it's surprising to you it's not that it's surprising to the quarterback, to the head coach, the person who's drawn up the scheme. You, you have to figure out a way to work around it. Every team in the NFL outside of about five has a weakness somewhere on their offense. But all I'm saying is that it's not an excuse for why your offense can't be great. You need to find a way to overcome that. And I don't also look at it as some massive general manager failure for the last regime I do. And it's different, though, because this is a different approach. So if we were going into this season where it's all in, and, and look, last year, actually last year, this is a different criticism. Last year, you can absolutely criticize them for that. And I would agree with you because 
why did you draft a, a guard to take on all this tough competition throughout the season? Quinn and Williams, Dexter Lawrence. Why do you draft a guard in the second round, back end of the second round, with no parachute behind him? You cut Jesse Davis or trade him for nothing to Pittsburgh. You never try Chris Reed there. I would agree with that criticism. But when you've decided as a team, as an organization, that what you're going to do is you're going to give the young players all the chances in the world to figure it out, then that's what they're doing at guard, even if I don't completely believe it's going to work. But that's what they're doing. So I look at that as much less of a criticism this year than I did last year, where they got solutions and then never used them for other guards. And the other point is, just to, to, to keep going back to it, there are way more clean pocket dropbacks for Kirk Cousins than there are. And what, we're bringing up the Netflix series. Like, that's weird to me. You guys all watch the season, I'm thinking, right? So, yeah. Anyway, I, it's nuanced, as we try to do on the show. It's nuanced. It's complicated. It's not a simple, why didn't you do a thing? I'm waving my fist at you. There's a lot to it. If they were all in on this year, if they had reworked contracts, brought back Thielen, Kendricks, everybody, signed Jadavian Clowney, they're all in. They're running it back. Here we go. And they ran out the same guards. I would be right there with you. But that wasn't the plan. The plan is to figure out who can play. So you got to figure out. Um, but I also think like sometimes, sometimes what happens, and this is over many years now of covering the team and talking with you guys, fans for, for many years, sometimes what we do is we make one person, the whipping boy of the team where everything that happens regarding that person is just like the worst thing in the entire world. Like every Every rep that doesn't go their way is just, oh my gosh, this person's ruining the whole season. And that does get frustrating to talk about because it's just piling on and piling on and piling on. And if there will be plenty of opportunity to overcome, if there's some pressure on Kirk cousins, pressure will always happen to Kirk cousins because he holds on to the ball, which is another thing I should look at that as well. Like how long did he hold on to the ball? That matters as well. Kirk Cousins was 13th in terms of snap to release. So that's going to draw some pressure, 2.7 seconds. It's going to it's going to draw some pressure. He also, this is a funny stat. I love these stats. You guys know. His time to scramble, which means how long was he in the pocket before he ran away, was 5.8 seconds, which was the third longest in the league, meaning that he does not run away. So you have a quarterback who holds onto the ball, who stays in the pocket, who's going to draw some pressure, overcome it, figure it out. So, all right. Anyway, that's what, that was fun. It was fun. A lot to talk about as always. Uh, so again, um, now this is an interesting thought, Anthony. Uh, O'Connell needs to cut down on the long developing receiver routes See that it is hard because the long routes are successful when you have Justin Jefferson, but options there. And we were talking about TJ Hawkinson. I think the second half of the year, now this would be interesting to look into. This is why the data can be really fun and maybe we can figure this out, but I'd be curious if the second half of the season, he got beat up as much as he did in the first half. When did they get Hawkinson? Maybe week 10. 
I wonder if he got pressured less after that because it felt like he just had a guy to go to in TJ Hawkinson or if he had the ball less. I'm going to look this up before we go just because I can. Let's see. Uh, You know what? Nope, didn't change at all. He was still pressured 36% of the time, but interesting to look. I agree with you in general that there just needs to be options, whether it's pass protection, whether you're finding ways to help the interior that, 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 that has to be um, addressed more than it was last year. There's only so much you can change when it comes to a scheme throughout the year, but in the summer you can. So they've got to implement ways to help the interior, whatever that might be. Even if it's somebody in motion or somebody in the backfield, I don't know something, figure it out. And, you know, with cousins, he's going to have to get rid of the ball quicker sometimes than maybe he wants to, or even that Kevin O'Connell wants him to when the pressure is coming. He also made a lot of great throws when the pressure is coming. And this is one of the best things about him, right? Is that he stands in there and takes a shot sometimes and makes a play. So that's the whole point. And I also would not, based on what I've seen in camp, change my projection, which kind of dials back to the, what do I really think? Well, I really think they should win 10 games. I don't know if I'll be right because I never know what's going to go right or wrong throughout a season, just like none of us do. That's why I don't gamble, but I am going to Vegas. Funny how that works, but uh, that's why I'm not a big gambler because I don't know how it's going to play out. I've seen it go either way. I thought that 2021 team was going to be good and they weren't because Mike Zimmer, Kirk couldn't get along, end of games they couldn't finish, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I I do agree with you, though, that the tight end blocking should help them to some extent. All right. Any of you in Minneapolis, you want to come say hello? In uh, Inbound Brewing. Inbound Brewing. Remember, it, it's by Target Field. It's a very cool place. Tomorrow night, Six to nine o'clock. I will do my best to see if we can figure out a way to stream it, but I'm not really sure technologically. If not, uh, Jonathan and I are still going to do a Hot Routes episode for tomorrow night that'll be on the channel. So we'll be doing that. We're going to record that early in the day. So, you know, but uh, if you got a chance to come out, we're going to play an Immaculate Grid contest kind of based on the show. We're going to have you pick the schedule, surprises to give away, stuff like that. So inbound brewing, make sure you check it out. 22nd, 6 o'clock is when it starts. 7 o'clock is when I start doing the live podcast. Maybe I'll bring the setup. Now, you guys are very split on the setup. Some some of you have said I need to d- make more changes. It's always a work in progress, but I kind of like it. All right. Great stuff, guys. Really appreciate all the energy tonight. And you guys bring it every night. So we will see you again very soon. Football.